I didn't come out here to play tiddlywinks. That's the bottom line. I came out here to play a game. podcast on the internet daring to go through the entire history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way to the current day. And we are here for another episode recap. We're recovering from an epic episode last week talking to David Haas. Wow, wow, wow. What an interview. And we are kind of sad that we don't have him on again, but hey, we're sure we get him on again to talk about something else. Because right now we have to talk about the fifth episode of season one, It's Just Too Hard, aired on the 13th of March, 2002. And um, an interesting one, as they always are every single week to talk about these episodes. My name is Ben. Ben, how you going? It's always good to be back here to talk... Australian Survivor Season 1, Whaler's Way. Hi, everyone. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And, uh, Ben, I think you're right when you said this is an interesting episode. Uh, It's definitely not going to go down as the best Australian Survivor episode uh, we've ever seen. It uh, covers a lot about their their fight uh, for food and their fight for energy. And definitely one Sylvan. Uh, Sylvan really struggles in this episode. We've got a lot to talk about him. But... uh, yeah, it is a little bit of a struggle to um, to get through because it, it is that old school survivor as far as, you know, they're not eating a lot. They're, they're sort of, you know what I mean, Ben. It's just, it's just that old school survivor. And, and I think we've seen in the past episodes, we've seen the relationships building and we sort of now it's about, okay, we're 13 days in now and, uh, yeah, the p- people are really struggling. And, and, and I guess I do like that about Survivor as well because there was always that struggle with food and, and how you're coping out in the island, which we don't actually see much of these days. But uh, And there is a great little ending to this episode too. So it's not, it's not all sort of uh, just about the struggle. It's also some great gameplay at the end, which no doubt we'll uh, talk about in depth. We will. And just before we get a little bit more in depth, I will just quickly give a subtle little plug, as I always do generally, uh, to if you're enjoying the content that we are putting out, it would be fantastic for you to mash that subscribe button on all good podcast servers out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're on there. And while you're there, please leave us some feedback. That would be much appreciated. And of course, all the social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We post generally every single day some fun content for you. So uh, get involved and we love hearing from you. But um, yeah, no, I I agree. This is, this is probably one of those episodes that I think that if anybody who maybe has not seen this or maybe has negative opinions of season one whaler's way this is one of these episodes where i think they would show us evidence as to why they quote think it's bad unquote and i think that i can see where some criticism would come but at the same time as you were mentioning it's sort of 
if you like seeing sort of old school survival where people are struggling and it's not necessarily about the gameplay, then this episode is fine. And that's where I fall into that category because, you know, the more and more I get on in life and more and more I watch Survivor and keep watching this show from the very beginning, I definitely do long for the older days where it was not just purely all game bot, game bot, idols, twists, play, big moves. Because again, as I've often said, that's not to me what Survivor is always about. There is that key element of survival and we are very much in this period in watching this episode in 2002 where that is the majority of what people assume Survivor should be about. So, yes, I can see criticisms while people would say this episode's boring, nothing happens, they're just complaining that they're tired and sore and then someone gets voted out. I can definitely see why people would have that opinion. It's not an opinion I agree with because while this isn't the greatest episode we've covered, I'm not saying this is a brilliant episode, it's still, I think, got its merits if you do enjoy watching people struggle to survive in pretty harsh conditions. I think it's a reflection as well on how bad Kadena go in this season. You know, er- everything goes wrong for him. We have another big incident that happens today, which is, of course, with Deb in this episode where she has an injury and, and uh, they sort of focus on that towards the end as well. So... It's just that constant struggle what we're seeing with Kadena, and we're also we do see it with Tapara, but we also see with Tapara that they're also playing the game, they're organising their alliances and all that. Where, where Kadena, they are down and out. Yep. I mean, this this is the final nail in the coffin for Kadena. Absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, they've had a bit of a boost, winning immunity in the last episode. You know, Tapara's lost their first member. It's seven five, so they win immunity this episode. It's seven six. Um, sorry, 6-5, I should say. Let's me do my math correctly there, Ben. Uh, with only one more immunity challenge heading into the merge. So, you know, this is that real seesaw episode of it. If, if Kadena win this episode, then it's all on the line next episode. Unfortunately, Deb's going to get an injury, which you're going to say is what's going to cost them. Although, having said that, we're going to get to the immunity challenge in this episode. And you actually analyse it. It's more decision-making that actually costs them the win and they actually are a lot closer than people, I think, ever give them the credit for. And this goes back to what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, where I think, and like, again, I agree with everything you were saying about how it would have still been good to have an older voice there. But I think that as soon as you've got this famous five, you know, they're, they're a lot closer and they seem to be kind of, I guess, going a lot better in the challenges than they were previously. But we'll get to that. So this is this is it. This is the absolute death of Kadena. This episode, we're going to lose a great character and Deb, a very underrated character. I feel that has some really good moments. I mean, we're going to get to one in the very opening moments of this episode. You know, the few funny moments we've got in this episode. Um, so yeah, it's this is really, I guess, the, the almost a line in the sand episode for just how this season's going to play out. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you're right. We we, we lose a a great char- character in Dev, and, and I can't wait to get the opportunity to talk to her because another thing you're right about too. I, I don't think in the end it does come down to her to her injury. I think it is decision making, and and in this episode we kind of we kind of see about why some of their decisions probably are wrong, and it's because a lot of them are struggling. Um, I think some of their players in in, in their uh, in their tribe just probably aren't quite cut out for Survivor as much as you, you look at Tapari, you look at Shona and Rob and, and of course, Katie Gold. I mean, they, they're born for this game. And I just, when I look at Kadena members, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily for all of them, that they're born for Survivor. So, yeah, it, it's an old school episode. 
you know, we still have a lot to talk about, but uh, I mean, it's, it's always good to talk about Whaler's Way Survivor, isn't it? It is. And uh, look, let's let's kind of date this episode slightly because, you know, we, we, we don't try and date these episodes because we want them to kind of hold a, a piece where you can listen to these episodes in 2025, 2020 and still kind of feel like it's a relevant episode because we're celebrating that. But just a brief sort of dating of this episode, when we're actually recording this, this has been the week where All-Stars, Australian Survivor All-Stars has started. And it's it's very... When you are watching an episode like this, and then you're watching, you know, a brand new episode in 2020 at least of All Stars, you you really do see the vast differences in kind of how far the show has come. And I personally, as somebody who's very cynical of newer Survivor and is not afraid to speak about my criticisms, I can definitely see though how somebody who's the complete opposite end of me, who's somebody who loves so much this newer Survivor, again, as I said, would be very critical of Whaler's Way. So it's it's just it's you know, it's it's just so different, isn't it, to kind of watch this episode versus watching an episode of All Stars this week. It, it's crazy different. Yeah, I got when I was about halfway through this this episode, um, the episode five, it yeah, I did. I actually straight away I thought, you know, you, you can almost you almost can't compare the two. I mean it's so Survivor is so different now. It it's it, it doesn't even show the bits like this episode, the 80% of what this episode shows, you don't even see in modern day survivor. You, you don't see people just lazing around camp and, and, and complaining about how tired and hungry they are. That is a lot of that stuff. They just don't even bother showing that the throwing in lobster traps to try to, to try to catch food. You like, we don't even see, we hardly even see him eat rice these days on modern day survivor. They just, they just don't show it. It's just, it's, it's not an important narrative of the game where, where when I was watching this, I got about halfway through and it was, it was almost like just watching a documentary. But then I realized, well, a lot of the early survivor, even in the American survivor, that was how it was. It was shot differently. The narrative was differently. It was, was different. Sorry. And that was just how survivor was back then. Obviously, over twenty year period, the game evolves, which it has to what it is now. There's a lot of differences. It doesn't mean it's still good viewing. I still enjoyed this episode. It was just, and you're right because obviously we've got all stars on at the moment. You know, when you've just watched three episodes back to back of that, and then you go back to watch this episode, it's almost a different show. Yeah, and again, it just it all takes on your taste because a lot of people who are watching modern Australian Survivor didn't grow up on this. They they don't know this. They go back and watch you know Borneo and Australian Outback Africa. They think it's boring because it's it's completely different to what. And I can I can understand that because if you're growing up on something, then that's kind of your viewpoint on something. And then you go back and watch something in the past. I mean, we all did it. Like think about it as a kid, if if you're watching a, an action movie with your dad from like the 70s or 80s and you've just watched a brand new you know 90s or 2000s action movie like it, it is different you're like well this is not you know what the hell is this but that's just what you're used to so i personally love seeing the survival aspect of survivor because that's what i grew up on that's i watched the show from the very beginning that's what it used to be whereas some people now that to them it's all about the idols and the gameplay and that's fine there's, there's no right or wrong in that it's just you're obviously growing up in different periods but I think, yeah, this whole episode, the majority, we keep saying it, there's a lot about struggling. I mean, the whole episode is called It's Just Too Hard. Um, so we sort of even get this straight away where it's kind of just everybody waking up. Uh, they're struggling to get up. 
We've got this kind of cool little tracking shot of Shona and the lizard, um, and then finding there's a tick on the lizard. Caring Shona, I like it. Uh, we get a bit of, I guess, um, repercussions of Joel. This is this is mainly sort of Joel's first instance of, I guess, feeling a little bit guilty and kind of feeling a little bit of pressure from what he did, because we talked a lot about that during our episode four recap of sort of Rob's manipulation of Joel and kind of like, well, there's this plan. And like, it was great to watch. But then Joel coming into this game, really wanting to play an honourable game. And again, let's point out, this is still Survivor where alliances kind of were still a bit of a dirty thing. You know, we heard that a lot from David last week. It wasn't the go-to bit. This is still very fresh in Survivor minds. So Joel feels a little bit dirty that he kind of went against what he initially wanted to do. He was swayed into voting, of course, for Jeff, and he didn't like it. Um, and then he's sort of talking about not uh, wanting to compromise his integrity, and he cries basically from it. And say what you will about Joel, because, again, we've talked a lot about him in the regards that I think a lot of people perceive him as a more important member of this Final Four alliance when he's actually never part of it until right at the end when one snap decision basically decides the game of how it will turn. But I think he does make for a very unique character, and I don't want to take into anything outside of the game what's happened. That's not even what I'm going to allude to here. But just watching someone here after only one vote, and basically he's crying because he's so upset at himself for, you know, going against what he believes. I mean, it's just, this is fascinating. You, you would never get this in Modern Survivor. No, you, you definitely wouldn't because you, when you go on, when you go into the game now, you know what you're getting yourself in for. You know what the game's about. Obviously, you're voting people out and being the last one standing. What's interesting in this, I mean, he asked Rob for a pen so he can write down his thoughts. So he, Joel's clearly woken up on day 13, has just voted out Jeff, the first member of Tapara to go. And and Joel is thinking to himself, oh, you know, did did I make the right decision? Obviously, it wasn't his original decision, um, but Rob managed to sway his vote and get him to change it. And yeah, and he's having a hard time and he... Rob even gives him the pen to, to write down his thoughts. So it's totally different Survivor now. Like another thing we wouldn't see now. I mean, most people are, are you know are happy when they vote someone out. It's it's they they can it's something they can use later on in the game if they get to the end. That oh well, I had my hand in voting this person out or that person out, and they they try to use that to win. Where where Joel clearly, I'm not sure what he what he thought he signed up for, what what game he thought he was playing, but uh, apparently voting people out is going to be an issue for him. Well, you see that in Modern Survivor where people legitimately on day one are going like, God, I kind of want to lose. I want to vote people out. That's why I'm here. Like, it's kind of, it's it's gone from that to now. Whereas like here, we've got Joel basically crying because I didn't want to do that. Um, and this is, I think what's really interesting about this episode and the editing, and again, I'm praising the editing after I think spending most of my life really getting into how bad the editing is in this season. But I think it does a very good job of, of really singling out the weak from the strong and clearly pinpointing who's going to win this game. Because again, we get maybe the most iconic confessional in all of Australian Survivor in this episode. We've been teasing it a lot on our social media during the week and it's just, it's, it's amazing. But you really are seeing just how much certain people are struggling, and not even just with the conditions, because clearly that's the main part. But again, here's Joel crying because of a, of a strategic, you know, mental aspect of this game that's so important to Survivor. You've got people struggling on the land too, but then we're going to get this, maybe the shining gameplay moment of this episode later on with Katie, Shona, Rob, The List, you know, Sophie, like kind of, and just really singling out, look how strong these guys are, look how well they've adapted 
versus everyone kind of is just somewhere on a different planet right now. So I think they do a very good balancing act on the editing when it comes to showing the two clear sides there. Well, t- talking about not adapting, they they after showing that Tapara sort of entrance with Joel, they flip over to the Katina tribe and they are struggling. You see Craig, he's talking about, even Craig, like Craig who's the leader of Kadena, he's their strongest member. You, you can clearly see that he is cut out for Survivor, but he's talking about having, he's no energy, he's just lazing around camp. He, he's even talking about there's no motivation to get up in the morning. Like this is, on day 13, this is how much Kadena are just, they're done. Even their, their number one guy, he's done. You see Deb, she's showing about, how much weight she's lost. She's got her pants. Her pants are nearly falling off her. She has a good little moment too. She talks about being on the Jenny Craig diet, which is the the fish and rice diet. And, you know, the one thing I'll say about Deb is you you look at Kadena's camp and and everyone's just lazing about, but she's, she's always upbeat. And I don't know if you've noticed that, but she's always, she's always willing to have a bit of a joke. And and I think she's trying to keep that motivation up because People, let's be honest, people like Sylvan, they're, they're not going to be the ones trying to keep the motivation up. So that's Deb, Deb's job. And she's got that fun sort of personality. She likes having a joke and that, but it, I, I, I can't, it's not even working. I mean, even Craig's, he's struggling as well. I think, and we'll talk a lot about this with the challenges particularly, I think kind of a key aspect too for Tapara is, you know, they're, they're a lot more tight working together and they've got more of that motivational aspect from someone like Katie who is, is very good at, like, kind of coaching and pushing people through. I agree with you. Deb is very upbeat and positive and she's great, but it doesn't really seem to come across in the challenges. And, you know, I, I'd love to sort of talk about that when we get her on the show next week a little bit more because it's interesting because I'm with you. Like, Deb is just, she's always chipper. She's always kind of, you know, got something to say. And I think kind of what really shines through with her and... You know, there are there are moments where clearly she's got strategic cogs in her mind, but it just maybe didn't quite kind of play out with the people around her because I think, as we heard a lot from David last week, that sort of no one on this tribe wanted to talk strategy or be in alliance, but we do see in confessionals from Deb that she's got a bit of a strategic thought process. You know, she's mentioning sort of, uh, what was it, a week ago in, in episode four about, oh, maybe we should have kept an older person around. That could have worked. Oh, but, you know, like kind of there's stuff working there, and I don't think you see that from Karen at all, really. You see a bit from Naomi, but Naomi's usually talking about not wanting to go back to the bloody boat. Um <laughs> <laughs> and Sylvan, well, fuck, he's, you know, popping pills, selling drugs, and uh, off in his fantasy world. Um, so, yeah. We get, a, we get a little confessional there from Karen as well, and same thing. She's It's that whole narrative. She's talking about how dirty she is. She's she's struggling as well. We, we don't see a lot of Karen at this stage, but, yeah, it's just it, they go through, I guess, the, the tribe, and, and, and you can clearly see things aren't probably looking too good for Kadena even going forward from here. And and um, and, and Deb actually makes, in one of her confessionals, she actually even makes a, another comment that Sylvan, he's doing it the worst out of anyone. Like, And we can see that. Some of the shots of Sylvan and his face, and this guy looks like he's ready just to be put on a stretcher and just taken out of there. Like, he's ready to go, which we'll cover because he actually, there is mention about even now, like, wanting to go home. So, yeah, it's... It's an interesting little uh, opening scene, I guess, from from both the Tapara and the Kadena. That, you know, it's only thirteen days in, but they're struggling. 
before I mention just about Sylvan, I, I just you mentioned Deb's little fun moment about the losing five kilos. I love that. Like she's like, I lost snakes, Jenny Craig. I lost five kilos in five weeks on the fish and rice diet. And she's just like, just, <laughs> and I swear, like you look at everyone else around her and they're just like, shut up, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're uh, yeah, they've all got their own little battles that they're uh, that they're struggling with. But uh, no, she brings a little bit of fun. It's good. It's probably the least funny episode so far. Like this is maybe one of the moments where you actually get a bit of a chuckle from, um, you know, trying to find the underlying humour. But I, I really do appreciate it. But even like with Sylvan, like look, we've made a lot of fun of Sylvan throughout this entire season, and like we learned a lot about him last week. But I, it's, I struggle to kind of want to make because I don't feel like I need to make fun of him because I legitimately feel for the guy right here. Cause as you said, Deb's kind of, you know, said like Sylvan's doing it the worst and just, it's just kind of almost like a three minute string of just poor old Sylvan. And then even just his confessional where he's just basically like, I don't have the energy to think. I don't have the energy to do anything. You know, I, I'm ready to go. I might feel different tomorrow. Um, and it's just like, the, and then they sort of intersect that with people saying like, Sylvan's actually really strong and this is going to hurt us. Which I don't know if we've really seen a lot of the strength of Sylvan, which is kind of interesting to hear that. So it is a bit hard to watch, and it's a bit. I do legitimately feel sorry for the guy in this moment. I was hoping that you might have had his confessional written down because it is actually a pretty good confessional, and probably out of all the confessionals you've you've ever seen on Survivor, this this guy is down and out. So I'm going to read it. If you haven't written it down, I'm going to read it because I have written it down. Go so for it. I'll try to do my best Craig voice. Uh, sorry, uh, Sylvan voice. But uh, I don't know how I'll go with that. But this is what he says. I don't even have the energy to do anything. I just, you know, I might be able to fish for 20 minutes or something. Then I just need to sit down and rest. Don't even have the energy to think. Like this guy is done. And I don't give that any justice to how how when he, the way he says it he he's just got no energy no emotion just nothing he's ready to go i really wish you had hair right now and you could scruff it up a little bit put a bit of dirt on your face staring at you and then you just could have put it a bit more in i don't have energy to think like it's you did okay <laughs> like i saw sylvan but just it's the scruffy hair on it and a bit of a you know a deadpan you know done look Oh yeah, yeah. There's no emotion on his face when he says it, and then and then Naomi has a little confessional, and uh, don't go to the she bloody talks boat. about actually being worried, <laughs> being worried about Sylvan, and then says he he's ready to go. Yeah, and that um, yeah, just uh, basically that the whole tribe's struggling. It's it's and it, like I said, we've said this before. It's it's basically what this this episode's about, and but this you kind of you need to watch it as well because you believe in what they're saying, that they are really struggling, because you're right, the look on their faces, they're showing no emotion. Mm. They're, they're just completely done. Well, Karen also goes on here, doesn't she? You mentioned about sort of her confessional, but she's talking about, like, they wash the dirt off and there's just more dirt. They're thinking about legitimately cutting their hair off. Um, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times sort of some of these scenes where you see the flies. I, I think, I don't know if it's in the very beginning here, it's in one of the middle sections. You legitimately see on the back of one of their dryzer bone jackets, it's coated in flies. Um, and then sort of we'll get a great little moment from Sonia in this episode talking about how, um, oh, I want to, I had a dream that I had a bath and then I went to another bath and then another bath and another bath. Like, it's just, this is, and I legitimately find this fascinating because I think that again, it's, we're watching this on television in 2002. It's still very new. It's still very fresh. And for the most part, we're thinking like, yeah, like, what are they living? Cause you talk to any old school survivor 
And the questions that they would get back in the day are things like, you know, how did you sleep? How did you really eat? How hard was it really? Like, you know, they, they do get asked those questions, which I don't think they get asked as much anymore today. But because this is still sort of the social experiment aspect of it, of living rough for 39 days. So this is still very relevant in 2002 Survivor. But, um, yeah, it's just fascinating. It's so fascinating to watch. And I actually, I do love, like, Naomi's contribution to this show still is just not liking any bloody thing. Like, I don't want to go back to the bloody <laughs> boat. I don't want to, let's get the bloody challenge over with. Like, you know, she's just, I love her. Like, I, I really don't think I've ever appreciated Naomi. And just all of a sudden now, just her, ah, oh, bloody this and bloody that. Don't want to bloody do this. And she's like, <laughs> oh, she, she's the bloody best, is Naomi. It, it, it. The interesting thing is, like, we're still talking about the famous five, and 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 they're all twenty year olds. And it is interesting that they're the youngest. They should be. You'd think they're the youngest, the fittest, and, and you think that they would do this no problem. You think it would be the other tribe that's actually struggling. But it just goes to show maybe sometimes, you know, the the older you are, the more you've been through life, you can just be a bit more resilient. And and yeah. I think this is a classic case. And I think it's a good life lesson to be honest. That you know, sometimes age isn't always the most important thing because if the, the older you are it means you've got through things in life and and you you know how to get through the other side like these guys it's almost looking like this is the first time they've been in hardship and they just don't know how to get out of the the trouble like they just don't know what to do they they they, they just they want to give up where an older person like you think of shona shona would never give up like she could have starved for the 39 days and she'd still be out there that's the difference uh, there's another little good Sylvan uh, quote as well that he says here in a confessional, and he he, call, he, he admits that he's dead weight and that he, he's, he's it's all done. He can't make decisions. It's all too hard. He just wants to get to the bloody challenge, get it all done with, and he hopefully gets some food. So he, he's admitting. He knows. He's not even trying to hide the fact, like, hey, mate, I'm dead weight. That's what basically what he's saying. And let's be honest, again, to kind of compare this to modern-day Survivor and really put this into context, 2002, we had never seen a quitter in any form of Survivor, US or Australia. And this was really so much more taboo than it is now because, you know, you think about Peter in Season 3, you know, I mean, he was done basically in the second episode. Stupidly, his tribe kept him around, which I can't wait till we get to that episode. Um, but, like, to me, that that is a, a straightaway thing that in modern-day Survivor, you want to quit, you're gone. Like, there's no, like, get out of here. Whereas they're essentially going to wanting to keep this guy around because they're still saying, like, oh, he's basically the strongest member in our tribe. We can't lose him. Yet this is just the different take on Survivor, isn't it? The fact that you've legitimately got kind of this. We saw it with Lucinda in the very first episode. You know, like they didn't want to get rid of her until she really talked them into doing it. I think we've also got to mention too, because I, I really don't want to bag out Kadena too much, because you've got to remember it was different conditions back then. These days, the water, the the amount of rice they get, all that is a lot different to back then. You know, and 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 early days Survivor. Um, you know, the, 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 the no one can deny, even if you don't like this season, you can't deny that the actual living conditions were 10 times harder than what they get now. Now they get plenty of stuff, you know, it's, yeah, they don't even bother showing, you know, how much weight people are losing and, and how much of a struggle because it's nowhere near what it was in those early days of Survivor. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's something important for anyone going back that may have not watched the season when it originally came out 
um, you, you've got to realise that too. They, they, the whole concept of Survivor were, were not just voting people out, but it was surviving. That's yeah. why it's called Survivor. It was surviving the elements of the game, one being starvation. So I just, yeah, I think it's important we do cover that as well. Very important because this part of Survivor, again, the, the location was paramount to part of the game and yeah it's not even a, a, a second thought in modern day survivor it's just they're on a beach who cares like it's all about the strategy in the game uh, and that's where we've developed to whereas yeah this was about the, the location and as we you know heard sort of through lincoln and we're going to hear through some other things throughout this uh season that we're covering like it was about trying to find something that was making it tougher than anything the americans had done at that point and at this point all the americans had done was borneo and australian outback africa had not been aired while this was being filmed so africa was airing well, sorry it was being air, it was airing while it was being filmed i should say so kind of this is what it was about it was about making them you know absolute struggle and there is no question in anyone's mind that this is easily the hardest season of australian survivor when it comes to the conditions because what did we have after this vanuatu and they were celebrities so they weren't going to go as tough on them as they would uh for newbies and then we've only had what samoa and fiji so and have we even had anything around the, the conditions in any of the channel 10 versions pretty much no uh so yeah completely agree that it's very important to look at that context when thinking about this season and the struggles and a lot of the reason why so much of this was perceived as not being good well you've got to look at what they were dealing with if they were on you know they went to far north queensland or they went to samoa in this season it would have been completely different i'm sure they would have been in a lot happier spirits walking around in bikinis and there would have been a lot you know different gameplay happening yeah and obviously survivor learned from i guess Shows like this, early day survivor, they always learning and they realise, yeah, that it works best, you know, on a beach, bit more food, bit bit better water. Uh, in saying that, Africa's still my my favourite season of all time, and uh, that was certainly there was no beaches around uh, Africa when they when they shot it in Kenya, so that will always go down as my favourite season. So, but yeah, you're right. Now because they it is more about the strategies game and finding idols and all that obviously whaler's way that location isn't suitable now for a, a modern day survivor it just would it would never be used again but um but obviously it was in this season and uh yeah i i didn't mind the location and i, I don't mind uh actually going back and watching these uh episodes where they they are struggling now we straight after that we we go to a tree mail and we see Shona and Katie go up for Tapara and Deb. Actually, I didn't think that was funny. Deb actually, for Kadena, she's the only one that goes up to Tremail by herself. Normally, you always see two people. So maybe maybe everyone was just lying around camp sleeping and moaning about how hungry they were that everyone said, I'm not going up there. You, you go. Too happy. I did, <laughs> I did notice it. I thought, I've never really seen that before. We're only just one of them go up. But uh, they they have the the tree mail note, and I've uh, I'll read out what it says. So they you know they always had their little poem catchy phrase note. There's fish, uh, sorry, there's fish aplenty in the sea, but what if a crustacean delicacy it was to be? It will take tribal balance and pull to find the goodies in the pool, but if you're clever and quick with the pot, you could go home with the lot. I think Sylvan's usually pretty clever and quick with the pot. Might be a different type of pot, but, um, you know. Um, yeah, it's one thing I actually really appreciate about this sequence is 
the intersecting of the reading between the two tribes, I think it's cleverly done. The way they edit it, basically, you've got Deb reading it, then you've got Katie. Like, it's just the way they do that, I really like that. And they've done it a few times this season. But um, And they would do it a bit in the olden American seasons as well. But, yeah, I just I kind of like that sort of unique take because, it's again, it's about spreading the edit. Like, we're not kind of focusing purely on one tribe. And one thing, just on that, before we get into the reward challenge, I think that they do a very good job with the edit here of really giving a good balance of all the players and the tribes because you think about this in a modern context. If you've got one tribe losing and struggling all the time, we're not really going to probably see a lot of Tapara, are we? So I think that it's, it's, it is actually a very unique aspect of this season that I think is important to mention because, again, this was Survivor at the time. The edit was very evenly spread where that's something that has definitely been lost the more and more survivors develop that we don't often get such an even spread of edit. So props to the editors again. I like this intersecting and I like the fact that we're kind of getting an even reaction to what this challenge is going to be. This is something that I, I really miss about modern day survivors is when you go to Tremail and you, you get that note and you've got to try to work out what the challenge is going to be. I do, We don't get that at all. I can't ever remember. We don't oh, even I know, I know even in, do we? I don't think no, we well, see him reading it. Well, I know when before I went to my immunity challenge, we didn't get to read anything that what it could possibly be. Where, of course, these early episodes, these early seasons, it was always that you would you would read the poem and you would try to work out what it's going to be because you're like, oh, and, and it, it actually brought for a great moment. So you said they they show the the two tribes reading reading this out. And uh, then it cuts to Kadena at the end, and there's a, sh- a shot of Sylvan because obviously they're trying to work out w- what the prize is going to be or what the um, what it's all going to be about. And you just w- when they finish reading it, you just hear Sylvan say "lobsters," <laughs> and he, but the way he says it, it he just it's it, I got, I shouldn't I I said it wrong then because I actually said it with a bit of sort of spirit. He he the way he says it is he's he's got no energy at all. He's just like. Lobsters, <laughs> like, and I just I cracked up when I heard it because he's thinking food. You know he wants food. He's he's trying to work out what the poem is, but he he just barely moves. He just looks at him as he's sitting down at camp. Lobsters. And, and yeah, and he was right in the end because it ends up being lobsters. But uh, I thought that was a, it was a little funny Sylvan moment just to add on to how much of a bad time he's having out there. Well, we're going to see very shortly that he gets a bit emotional over some other food, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, I think, but like, again, I, I agree with the challenge mail, challenge mail, look at me being all whaler's way, uh, tree mail, because I do like, again, it just shows character, just the reactions of people. It's just fun. I, I like seeing that, and it's it's just a little subtle thing I miss kind of about Modern Survivor too. Uh, but this reward challenge, I mean, it's it's a this is actually a really fun challenge. It's sort of, it's two very tough challenges this episode. And this, I think, goes, if you do read the official guide, they do talk a lot about how they had a lot of input from sort of some, you know, real army type people, tough people to get out there and really challenge them a lot, which clearly fades away with some of the uh, later challenges in this season. But um, essentially, they've got to um, run, uh, they've got to get onto a boat, they've got to swim, go around buoys or buoys, as we would say in America. Uh, they've got to dive down, collect traps. Uh, and then they've got to go to rock pools and uh, collect other traps and then collect the lobsters, and then they've got to end it by putting it in a pot at the end, um, which, you know, is pretty cool. And, and, like, you actually notice this challenge. This might be the very first case in the history of Survivor where we've got the host doing some commentary because Lincoln drops a couple of bits of commentary in this episode, and Jeff wasn't doing it in 2002, so not much, but I thought that was kind of unique. 
And uh, I did. I, I don't know if you noticed Sophie doing a bit of a face plant at one point there, um, which was kind of funny. And I think Lance and Katie are the ones that sit out this challenge as well. I think they didn't really say who, but it looked like it was Lance and Katie who sat out. So, um, yeah, and, and Kadena win. Yeah, so they're playing, and, and I like that Lincoln, he tells them they're playing for a southern rock lobster. That's mm. what they're playing for. I thought that was a good little uh, little bit there from Lincoln. And you're right, Lincoln does give a bit of a running commentary. But as we know, that, that wasn't standard back then. Obviously, now, if that if he was hosting, it would be, you all you'd be hearing is, you know, Lincoln yelling out and sort of saying what tribes are doing. But it it wasn't like that back then. So it was good to hear hear him doing a bit of running commentary. But, of course, Kadena win, and that's the funny thing. Actually, Kadena, they actually win. They all want food. They get it. They, they win the rock, rock lobster. They win pepper and sauces and lemons and spices and some baguettes, which you see, we, see soon, uh, we soon see them eating the, the baguettes and lobster. But, uh, yeah, so they, they get the win. So they, they, they can put it together when they need – well, I was going to say when they need to. They don't put it together when they need to because that's in the immunity challenge. But, you know, they can win, they can win stuff, but they just don't seem to do it at the right time. Only time they ever win consecutive challenges, and this is the last challenge that Kadena will ever win. That's it. They, right. they will not win a single challenge moving forward from this point on. So it's, it is interesting. And I think, um, you know, again, going back to the challenge, it's, it's a unique one. It's kind of, it's fun to watch. Uh, I, I like the fact that, you know, Kadena are still, after seeing them struggling, you just think they're going to roll over and get whooped from this point, but they still put in a lot of effort. They still clearly win. I love that shot of even of Rob, like one of the most physically strong people. He's just absolutely struggling after the thing. Like, you know, he just looks so beat after doing this. But, uh, yeah, like it's, it's a, it's a standard fun challenge. It's unique. I like it. And it's a unique reward kind of, it's not just winning a chicken. This is winning a lobster. I, I personally have never had lobster. I don't like seafood. I don't know how I would like this, but I'm sure if I'm out there for 13 days and I'm starving, I'm going to be eating it. And I think the, the one that they're probably most excited about, it seems, is actually the spices and the flavors. Cause we did hear a little bit before this that a lot of them were sick of the flavor. Like they were missing sort of some flavor in their, in their belly. So, um, yeah. How, how have you got through life and not tried lobster at least once? Because I'm poor, apparently. I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't go in your high circles, Matt, of uh, eating lobster, clearly. <laughs> I just assumed on a Friday, every Friday night, you, you go to a restaurant and eat lobster thermidor. Yes, absolutely. The high life of being a podcast host. I just I hang up and I go get my caviar, spread it on my little crackers, and then, hey, let's go off to have some lobster to celebrate my success of Australian Survivor Archives. Lovely episode, chaps. Yeah, yeah I, I don't mind a bit of lobster, but any, like, crab and lobster, anything where it's too much, you've got to actually work to get the meat out. It all seems too hard to me. I, I'm a bit like Sylvan like that. I'm just like, ah, it's too hard. Just, just get me a steak. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a person who likes eating meat when yeah, there's effort. Like I don't really like meat off the bone. Like give me chicken breast, not a chicken drumstick. Like and I, like I'm not a eat with my hands. I've got I've got a big beard, Matt. You've got a bit of facial hair. You know what it's like getting mess all over the face. You need like fifty serviettes, man. Like get out of it. I do have a question though. Is is lobster clusters? Is that can you eat that on the keto diet? You probably could. Yeah, with a lot of protein in a fish. Yeah, you could. There wouldn't be any carbs in lobster, I don't think. It would just be all in the protein. So let's yeah. get Zach on the line. Zach's more into it than, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but yeah, so Kadena win. And um, I do love, again, back to Happy Deb. 
coming back into the challenge and she's like, so good, so good, I feel good. Do, 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 do. We're getting Deb singing a lot next week with this and we are the famous, Timmy the dog. And we, we know that's from the show. What was it called? The Famous Five? Is it the Famous Five. Yeah, so it's funny, actually, because we found that not long after we had uh, recorded that episode. And then Deb obviously listened to the episode, and she sent me a link to it. So, uh, hello, Deb. <laughs> Thanks for that. We, we, I get stuck in my head. It legitimately gets stuck in my head. Timmy the dog. Yeah, that, that's your famous line, the old Timmy the dog. You, you're gonna have to, you know you're going to actually have to learn the rest of the song. You can't always just do the, da, 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 Timmy the dog. You've actually got to learn the but, 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 but Timmy the dog was a star, right? Like, I'm guessing. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. When, when you, you um, added on our social media page, you added a little clip of that song and you're asking um, the, you know, the listeners if anyone knew what the song was. I was actually at work and I was working with um, a, a female uh, partner and she, she's about five years older than me and I played it in the car and within the first second, as soon as she heard the beat, she's like, oh, that's the, fam- that's the theme from The Famous Five. And I'm looked over, I'm like, you actually know this theme? She's like, yeah, I used to watch it as a kid. She knew it the fa- as soon as the beat hit, she just looked at me and said, oh, why you got The Famous Five theme there? <laughs> so, and here we are, like morons, didn't even know what it was. I think it was a few years before our time, though. Let's be honest, if they all of a sudden started playing like, have you ever, ever felt like this, where strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? <laughs> We're going to straight away be like, yeah, I know that. Like, great Australian kids show growing up. But, um, I mean, this looks very similar to, like, a Skippy, the bush kangaroo, if you've got Timmy the dog. Like, what was it about Australian shows back then, like, having little animals being, like, you know, <laughs> helping out? We don't get this today in, I don't even know an Australian kids show. Is H2O underwater still going? I don't know what that show was called. <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have no idea, but... Uh, oh, I the pig. <laughs> I can't wait to get Deb on and uh, find out more about the famous five and... <laughs> And and her love clearly for the show. She obviously loved that show. But uh, another thing I love too is when so when we see Kadena walking back, like you said, Deb singing, she's all happy. Just a little side note: something I hadn't noticed before, and I thought was was great. When they're walking in in their tribe, if you look on the tree in black, there's three names. So obviously it's, they're, they're writing down the names of their fellow contestants that have have left the show. And you see in black writing, so I don't know if it's in Ash or what, but it's Lucinda, Tim, and Dave. So obviously they're they're just writing on the tree um, after each person gets voted out, which I thought was nice. I'd I'd actually never noticed it before, and they just had a shot of it, and it's just to the right of camera. And if you see it, I thought, oh, that's good that they're they're sort of writing a little list of their fallen fallen comrades. Because let's be honest, they all end up going. So um, you just had yeah, to bring I, up Dave nice again, of- didn't you? You had to find a way to get David back into this conversation. <laughs> Or, you know, every episode I'll mention him. Um, I mean, they need a bloody bigger tree at this rate, though. They're not going to fit all the names on the tree the way they're going. <laughs> they should have started higher. Yeah, I think they right. went they started not thinking, oh, that, that all eight of them are going to get kicked out. But uh, another thing, too, they, so that they're, straight away you see, you see them all enjoying the, uh, their reward challenge, uh, their, their winnings from the reward challenge. And you see Craig, he's, he, they've got the... They're holding the the two baguettes. I think it's one of the girls. They're they're holding the two freshly cooked baguettes. You all know as soon as you get fresh, that fresh Mm. bread, it just smells good. It's warm. It's just, you know, you just love it. Even if you don't like bread, you just, you want to eat it. 
you can't eat bread on keto, can no, you? No, that's what I'm just getting even more sad right now, thinking about how great a big fresh baguette is. Fuck you. Oh. I was describing the bread. I just I look, I saw your face and you had your eyes closed and you could I could I could see you just picturing what, what how good this baguette would be and I just realised oh hang on a sec you can't have bread on keto but I'm gonna be crying I see why Sylvan's crying over bread here it's beautiful they offer him to have it the smell of the bread and uh, Craig doesn't want to smell it because he's he actually says something like uh, uh, I think Karen must offer it to him and he says no I, I don't want to smell it until I can actually eat it because they're obviously just want to get straight into it so and uh, they end up cooking up the lobster and uh, Yes, and then they enjoy their winnings from their uh, their last reward that they ever win. It is interesting with Sylvan, though, because legitimately they show Sylvan the bread and, like, Sylvan just starts crying, like, over a piece of bread. It's beautiful! And then he, like, turns away. And again, I don't feel like... I'm not trying to make fun of the guy because he obviously is struggling. And then we kind of get this confessional. Is it is it Deb who's sort of explaining about how, essentially, you know, Sylvan... <laughs> goes out, like, he works one or two times a week, he goes out drinking with his mates, and then he comes back and riding. So this is why it's so difficult for him. I, I'm pretty sure it's Deb who says that. Uh, no, it's actually Craig, but Craig's oh, right. with Deb. So, so yeah, Sylvan gets highly, highly emotional, as you just said, and and uh, just about winning food and all that. So he's struggling. And then there's a good little moment between Craig and Deb, and they kind of, you, you first start hearing it and it's while they're looking at Sylvan, like we, they're showing uh, Sylvan on screen. And then you realise that the, the actual the conversation is between Craig and Deb and it's, it's when they're walking to go put out the lobster trap. And um, I'm just having a look at my notes here. I remember Craig actually says, while he's talking to Deb, that you've got to remember he's a writer. Mm-hmm. He works two to three days a week and he's already said, he goes out with his mates drinking twice a week. And when you look at it that way, sorry, when you look at it that way, your body's not going to, and then he's like, you know, shit. Like he just, he just says like, if, you, if you're only working a couple of days a week, if you're going out drinking a couple of days a week, basically you, you, you're not going to be cut out for this lifestyle of going all these days, not eating, the struggle of voting people out, like just mentally, physically. You know, he's used to, He's not used to, I guess, having to do that grind of a 60-hour week at work and then come home and do the chores at home. Like, this guy says he's writing when he wants to. He's doing a bit of work. He's enjoying life with his mates. Like, that's it. And, and you can kind of see that looking at Sylvan and seeing his character. Like, straight away, you're like, yeah, he looks like a guy that probably only puts in about a 15-hour a week, you know, 15-hour a week uh, sort of job, you know. And, and kind of like us on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I'm pumping out the hours. <laughs> yeah, going off and having lobster dinner, clearly, um, just doing that. No, you're absolutely right, though. Like, And it is a good, I guess, way of putting it into context because it's it's all well and good to make fun of Sylvan because Sylvan's brought us some great stuff across this season. But this is where, like, I don't, as I keep saying, I don't want to make fun of the guy here because he is struggling. And, you know, no matter what, you, you most of us who do work a 40, 60-hour week, whatever we're doing, you know, it's all well and good to look down on someone like this. Oh, fuck you. You only work 15 hours and you go out all the time. But it's it's the job. Like, I mean, he's not going to sit down for 40 hours a week and write. I mean, I in my day job, I write for a living. I'm a journalist. I've got to write. And 
I don't want to sit down eight hours a day and just, I don't write all day. Like it, it is, you've got to kind of get in that zone. It's a flowing aspect. You know, you've got to get the thoughts in your head and there's writer's block is a thing. Like it just, it doesn't go away. You can't sit there for 40 hours and just pump out the content. So yeah, it is a very unique perspective. And, and this is where like, I think this is the absolute breaking point for Sylvan where the guy is legitimately crying overseeing bread. He is that brought to emotional tears over the fact that he's seeing bread. I mean, that's me on the keto diet. Fuck, it's bread. It's so beautiful. But, like, this is a guy who's been starving for 14-odd days, just living off rice, and here he is finally getting some actual, you know, carbs in his system and some proper food. If you just try to take yourself back to what it would have been like at that stage for Kadena, like you said, about 14 days in, um, and how hungry they would have been. You can actually, if you stop and actually think about it, you, you can realize why they were so emotional. Like that would have been a pretty big reward to win to when you, you're just living off rice. You're living to, like, let's be honest. They were in shit conditions. It was cold at night and now they're getting fresh baguettes with, with lobster. Um, you, you know, it's easy to sit back and have a bit of a laugh at them, but, but in all seriousness, I think, you know, yeah, I mean, after two, you imagine two weeks with not eating much and, basically being the worst at everything, it, it would be a, a nice little treat for him. But what I love too, it shoots to, across to Tapara and they're always looking for, they're always trying to look for advantages or try to look at a situation better than it really is because I love what Rob, so they, they've lost, they're sitting back, they know the other tribe's eating lobster and Rob just starts talking about how they're, because they're eating lobster, they're going to be fat and dumb and soft and, oh, well, and they got their baguettes are going to be sitting in their stomachs. And I love it. They just flip the script and like, oh, well, we didn't want that anyway because, you know, that's going to make them fat and dumb and slow. Yeah, no, great. I mean, Tapara kind of has some really good character moments in this little middle section, so it's 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 fun. But, like, you're right, like, like looking at the conditions and that. I mean, this is day 14, they're crying over bread. Again, to date this episode with All-Stars, I mean, we had what on the second episode, they're going off to the uh, old Survivor store and they can get cookies after only like, what, three days? Like, I mean, it's kind of just they get things so early nowadays, whereas like this is day 14 for this. And the other aspect to this reward, though, is, of course, yeah, they get a lobster, they get a bit of bread, they get a bit of spices, but they also get the cage, which they can then go put out in the water to kind of catch more. So it's kind of got that aspect of bringing in more food. It's like the chicken debate, isn't it, where you win the chickens, do I keep around with eggs and things like that? So it, it is an interesting uh, aspect to the reward, too. Don't you think, no, they probably possibly could have put in a 24-pack of Solo cans <laughs> as well and maybe just a few Lay's chips just for dessert? You know, yeah. like just a another... Cabbage chocolate? Just, yeah, a couple of cherry ripes. Just <laughs> cherry to help ripe! You. you got lobster. You want to you wash it down with a nice cold Solo and a cherry ripe for dessert. Because how refreshing is Solo? When I'm sitting at home thinking about lobster dinners on a Friday night after a long 15-hour week of recording podcasts, all I want to do is wash it down with a nice cold can of Solo. Mm-mm-mm. What a, <laughs> what a great can. But um, we, the, the key aspect, though, of putting this trap out, and that we, I don't know if that just, it wasn't filmed or maybe it just was one of these moments where we don't get to see it because Craig and Deb go out and put these pots out, but then we find out coming back that Deb's rolled her ankle. And this is maybe a slight negative on the edit here, that it is interesting that this isn't captured because, again, maybe they were just changing a tape. It didn't happen. They're not going to go, oh, Deb, we didn't catch that. Can you just go roll your ankle again so we can get it on camera? Um, I feel like this is just something that you would not miss today. So that kind of comes out of nowhere. We sort of just find out straight away that, oh, Deb rolled her ankle. And then when we eventually get to the tree mail, they're kind of like, oh, we're worried that this is going to hold us back now in this challenge. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to be too critical on the editing here because I know myself when I was on the island, there was times when I was in the in the in the jungle and there was no cameras around me and I was looking for idols and and uh, clearly there was no cameras cameras around me because there was obviously they knew there was no idols where I was looking so they didn't bother filming me. That should have been my first clue. But uh, but yeah, so you're not. But in saying that, if I would have rolled my ankle or something, then they wouldn't have had it on camera. So it could it can still happen now. I think uh, we saw in my season Benji got a an injury under his eye. I think a tree branch got him and. Because all of a sudden he's got this big injury under his eye. That clearly wasn't captured on TV because they they never were able to show it. So I think it was just unlucky. Um, we know too when they're when, when they're going down to those in Whalers Way when they're going down to the water to put those lobster traps out or when they go to fish, they've actually got to climb up and down. They've got to, like a rope down the rocks that they try to hold on to, and it's actually quite dangerous. I, I don't even think they would allow it these days. Um, but. So I don't know whether it was while she was trying to climb back up, she has she slipped or rolled it? I'm not sure. We'll, we'll find out from her. But, uh, you know, I guess it was just unlucky. I don't want to be too negative on them because it, it can ha- it could happen in a, in a modern-day season as well because I can tell you there's not a camera on you at all times. There's times when you, you can go in the bush and there's no one around you. Clearly, they're not picking up drug deals and people finding lighters uh, in this season, as we know from last week. But, um, you know, I'm sure we'll learn a little bit more. And you're right, like, it's kind of interesting seeing them putting the, the lobster trap because there's a lot in this episode about the waves and the conditions and sort of it's just too dangerous, um, which, you know, we're going to see in a couple of episodes' time, you know, nearly getting killed off some rocks, aren't we? Um, but the, the one thing quickly before we get to the challenge, though, that I, I do like sort of some of the character moments that we have here, um, is it Craig who's trying to offer, um, is it Sylvan or Deb $50 for that piece of bread? That, that cra- cra- no, Craig offers Naomi $50 oh, Naomi. for the bread. She's like, she's like, what am I going to do with 50 bucks out here? <laughs> now, hang on, hang on, Matt. What am I bloody going to do with bloody 50 bucks bloody out here? <laughs> Add a few more bloodies when you're doing a Naomi. Yeah. i tell you what, though. It's, it looked like a good baguette. It was probably oh, worth 100 Jesus, I'd be paying right now 1000 for that piece of bread. Um, but then I also do like this sort of brief little moment back at Tapara where Joel starts talking about his dream of he was in a, a church and the priest was playing Metallica on a keyboard. Uh, and then Shona, uh, can I just say I called her Sonia before? I clearly watched Borneo recently. Uh, Shona's dream that she basically had a bath and she goes next door and had another bath and then had another bath. <laughs> like, just. I love uh, Shona. So do I. So, uh, we we got to get to the one key aspect of this episode, which is the best part of this episode very soon. Um, but anyway, we get to the immunity challenge, and this is the big one. This is sort of a, a massive, massive obstacle course put together by, I don't know, the Australian version of Green Berets, basically. And, yeah, this is like the worst-case scenario for Deb based on her ankle. But at the end of the day, as we kind of alluded to at the beginning, not really the ankle that holds them back because, again, they're actually fairly close. It's a bit of decision-making on the rope section of it, which kind of costs them. Uh, and then, ultimately, Kadena wins it. But got us, uh, Sorry, Tapara wins it. But I do love here my aspect I was talking about with Katie, like her coaching, just the way she's kind of pulling them through, like really, really doing it well. Um, there's some great camera shots here but there's also some weird camera shots have kind of put cameras like on the crawl under the bread uh, the the bridge on the rope climb like kind of just some very unique sort of ways of i guess getting around getting some interesting shots and um it actually does end up a lot closer at the end than i ever remember this challenge so this is it basically tapara wins and gotta say kadena is a dead tribe walking right now based on losing this challenge 
Kadena uh, are done, and I think they know it once they lose this. But nothing I liked about this too. Lincoln actually announces, I think for the first time this season, he actually announces who was going to sit out of this trial. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, it actually, whether he was doing it every time, they just didn't show it in the edit. But Jane and Joel sat out for Tapara in this in this immunity challenge. And just the challenge itself, I thought it was a it was a good old school challenge. It was a commando style you know, obstacle course. You've, you've got your, your rope climbs, you're crawling through water and under bridges, like you said. Um, and then, of course, that, that last sprint at the end where you've got to sprint up and and get to the uh, get to the finish line. And, um, yeah, so Joel, Joel and Jane set out. Tapara win and Kadena. Uh, where, where do they go from here? I do like the bit when... Lincoln's explaining the challenge and they sort of like, and he says something like, this is going to really physically test you. And they like cut straight to Deb's face and she just kind of looks like, fuck, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's but, kind of, yeah. But, it, but it, to Deb's credit, yeah, she, she went hard. Like I, I, I certainly don't think, and we'll talk to her about it, but I certainly don't think she cost him that challenge. No, I agree. And it's, it is, I think, interesting the edit of, you know, how the vote goes down because it is kind of, I mean, it ultimately goes down to one vote. Like, this is a, a tie vote with one vote making the difference at the end, kind of, it's that swing. So, this is a very close vote. It's not like everyone's straight away going, fuck, Deb's injured, let's get rid of her. Craig sort of is putting it the wind up everyone's sails saying that Deb cost us this challenge as we're going to get to in these confessionals in just a moment. But it ends up being a very close vote, which is very interesting that it actually plays out that way when we get to that very shortly. Uh, and also the fact that Sylvan's not one of the ones who's kind of getting, you know, targeted here. And this is guy who basically has all been wanting to go so very interesting but i do love it when they come back from the challenge and we go to tapara and shona not bad for an old fart and she's talking about like pumping the legs and then let's intersect that with kadena with who else but naomi going blown want to go back to the bloody ship i hate the bloody stupid ship bloody ship bloody bloody ship like i just like in an episode where we can't really make fun of sylvan hello naomi um just dropping bloody every five seconds a couple of weeks ago every second word was shit this week it's just Naomi and hating the bloody ship and hating the bloody challenge and bloody bloody bloody. <laughs> yeah, Naomi's good. We we have we still haven't seen a lot of Naomi, have we? She's sort of one of those characters where, yeah, we we kind of don't really know Her how. Her and Sophie. She's... Her and Sophie well, are very invisible. Yeah, aren't they? yeah, definitely. And they're almost they're, they're almost like the same sort of people, and you often kind of get them confused because you yeah. don't see a real lot of them. But uh, no, Naomi's yeah, no, a cult supporter, Matt. She's a smart woman. <laughs> Yeah. But I like when it, it, it shoots over to Kadena, and obviously they're, they're, we're seeing confessionals about what went wrong in in a, in a challenge. And you see Craig, like he actually comes straight out and says that he feels like Deb has let the tribe down um, in that challenge, which I don't agree. I, I really don't agree. And then it shoots to Deb, and she actually says, "Well, I can't say that because I don't think I I don't feel I did let the, the tribe down." So. And I think Deb, I think if, if Deb had let the tribe down, she would have been the first to admit it. If she honestly felt that her leg, her ankle was caused them to lose, I think she would put her hand up and say, guys, that's, you know, that's my fault. But I think at this stage, they're just looking for someone to blame. You know, it, it, when you lose so much, it's like anything. When you lose so much, you start looking at other people because you don't want to look at yourself. And you start looking at, well, who, who, what's going wrong? Why isn't this working? And, and I think even now, Craig's he's, he's thinking, well, Deb's injured. Let's just blame her. And I, and I actually think that is, a, is a, a high prop here to kind of put into Craig because, you know, that is a smart thing to do. Like, let's come back. We've lost. I don't want to be a target at all. So quickly, let's lay some blame into someone and let's take the heat off me because there's no heat on Craig at all. 
clearly we, we heard from David how much everyone loved Craig, but I still think it's, it's a smart move. And again, in this time in Survivor where, you know, strategy is not necessarily the biggest thing in the world. And clearly we've seen that with Kadena that, you know, it's not necessarily a strategic vote that they're doing a lot of the time. It's kind of like, oh, you know, let's not do alliances and things like that. So I think it's very clever from Craig to do that. And also with Deb though too, I think this plays into her underrated strategy because Deb is obviously going to defend herself. I agree with you. I think Deb's the first person going to be like, guys, that was me. Sorry, my bad. But Deb's like, no, like I did not struggle that badly. And Karen is easily the weakest part of this tribe. We need to get Karen out. And I believe... Deb's the one here. I've written down that um, Sylvan wanted, promised me to vote him out. And I believe Deb is the one who says that. So, and Deb and Sylvan ultimately are the ones who vote together here. So it's kind of, it is very unique and interesting that on a season where, and particularly with Kadena, when strategy is kind of not talked about, it's sort of, we've lost our biggest strategic player on this tribe in David. And yet here we've sort of got a bit of Craig's strategy and I think a bit of Deb's strategy too. And I think it's important to mention Karen here because Karen's actually a really important uh, player in this little period here because Karen actually says, she she says Deb's fine. Like she thinks, no, no, she doesn't agree with Craig. She's like, no, Deb Deb was fine. And Karen actually admits that she thinks personally that she herself is the weakest, but she she doesn't want to admit that because she knows if she admits it, well, she's going to be on the chopping block. So although she knows or thinks that she is the weakest at this point in her tribe, she still wants to stay. And even though she she probably could have done it, uh, whether it was with that, maybe we didn't see it, but you think she would have put more sort of on Deb, saying, oh, this is Deb, we've got to get rid of her, where she's almost trying to defend Deb, um, but also at the same time she's trying to not admit her to everyone else that, that she actually thinks that herself is the weakest. Which, to contradict my point I made a second ago out there being a bit of strategy here, this is where maybe uh, the strategy lacks a little bit here because you would think that if Karen is defending Deb and kind of saying, yeah, I was a bit weak, obviously she's not going to want to go home. I mean, clearly she almost does. She wants hot chocolate, I think she says in that confessional. But, like, let's swing the heat onto someone else because you think about it, Craig and Naomi are not... They're voting together. Like, we haven't really gone into their relationship yet, but clearly they're close and we're going to see how close they are moving forward. So I don't think they're going to be voting any different. So they're going to be voting for Deb. If Deb all of a sudden can talk to Karen and go, hey, let's take out Craig or Naomi or even Sylvan, put that heat on there um, and then confuse Sylvan somehow to vote that, at least make it a tie. But even if you kept Sylvan on side and put the focus onto Craig and Naomi, then this tie that basically happens, because you think about it on paper, that Deb really had nowhere to go here. She's got Sylvan on side, but she's targeting Karen, and Naomi and Craig are together. So they're all going to vote together no matter what, because Karen's not going to vote for herself. So she's kind of rocking a hard place, Deb, but maybe had she been able to work with Karen to sway the vote, then she would have been safe. But again, we can talk to Deb about that next week if that was even a discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it shows too how close Craig and Naomi were. It's going to be interesting later on to find out a bit more how close they really were. But from what we know, you know they were they were really tight together. Um, yeah, it was right too. Um, Sylvan had Deb mentioned that Sylvan had made her promise only the day before that that she would vote for Syl- Sylvan. So Sylvan, the day before, he he's asking people promise to vote me out. So that just shows you where Sy- Sylvan was on uh, at that period of the game. He's asking people, you got to promise to vote me out. Once again, you you won't see much of that anymore. 
And it's important, I think we missed a, a confessional from Sylvan earlier that he did say that it's, it's, it's interesting how much a difference 24 hours can make because he was like, yesterday I was done. Today I got a bit of lobster in me and I'm fine. So I think kind of like that's just that transition period and clearly now Sylvan I don't think wants to go home. But again, comparisons, like Sylvan obviously is considered a very strong member of that tribe. We're not really seeing that, but it's, it's, it's unique to think that this... I feel that Sylvan was gone in modern day Survivor. You put in a bit of doubt, promise to vote me out. I'm not, if I'm on playing survival, I'm like, well, why are we keeping this guy around? Yesterday he's wanting to quit. Like, no, like that's an easy vote for me. So, yeah, unless yeah, he's in a line. Absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah. But, and you see the difference with Craig. Craig actually mentioned, he says that he, he he's going to vote for anyone at this stage. Says it's a game. Like, he, he's made up his mind. At the end of the day, only one person can win this game. He wants to be the winner. So, at this stage, he just, wants it to be anyone but him. He, he, he doesn't have a problem with voting. He's going to vote someone out. And a fantastic line here, which I think in an episode, which is all about the, the, the conditions and the struggle, and we're going to get to one moment here, which is clearly the most talked about part of this episode when it comes to the confessional, Katie, Shona, all that sort of stuff. But this is a very important thing from Craig because Craig's been a build. Craig's just slowly building. We talked that really we weren't getting a lot from Craig beginning, but we really are now. And I think this is going to become more and more important because we're only two episodes away from the merge where Craig is really all of a sudden just going to come into his own of really trying to change things up. This is such an important line from Craig where he's like, it's just a game. I would vote for anyone. And we've just talked about how he has that really close relationship with Naomi, but I believe this from Craig. I think Craig would have voted for Naomi in a heartbeat had they all of a sudden gotten together if Karen and Deb and Sylvan has said, hey, guess what? We're going to be voting for, for you. I feel Craig would have been like, well, guess what? I How about we make a Naomi? I'll vote for Naomi. Let's go along with it. Like, they're close, but I definitely feel that Craig is just one of those players that, you know, he would have turned on anyone to, to make it to make it as far as he could. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think that's why Craig actually would do well in the, the modern day Survivor as well. Because as we know, Survivor now, Australian Survivor anyway, is, fi- is 50 days. And, and, and it's almost two separate games. You've got the, the pre-merge sort of game and then the post-merge game where it becomes an individual. But, and I know Survivor's always been like that, but because Australian Survivor's so long now, it really is It's two games in one. And I think we see with Craig in this, he, he starts off slow, he builds his relationships, and then you know once he sort of gets to that merge, then that's when he's really worried about all in himself, which you have to do in the game. So I think Craig would definitely do well in modern-day Survivor. And you get that right before we go to Tribal Council. Craig literally is saying, I'm loving this. Like, bring it on. Like, I mean, that's just such a modern Survivor thing where we were talking about before where you've got players on day one on Survivor saying, I want to lose. I want to go to Tribal Council. It's about voting people out. Let's do it. Craig's basically doing that. He's like, I'm loving this. Bring it on. Let's vote people out. Like that, Craig, let's say it right now. We said it famously about your man, David Haas. We've said it about people like Katie and Rob. Let's put Craig into the players ahead of their time category because he really is. And I think this is where he's really building up. I know... Our listener, Matt Carr, is a huge Craig fan. He sent us a lot of stuff about why he defends Craig as a great player. And I think, you know, for the most part, I'm not saying all of it, Matt, because I know you sort of took away from some of Katie's gameplay, but we'll get to that. But I, I definitely think Craig is a fantastic player, and I agree with you, Matt Dyson, that he would be fantastic in modern Survivor. Yeah, and that's the beauty about this season is, yes, there were some players that, that didn't understand the game, but there certainly was players that really understood the game. And, and, and I guess that's what makes this season interesting is the fact that there's no in-between. And I've said it before, there's no in-between. It was either you were a player that didn't understand what the game was about and there's a and that you were one that, like, you knew it was all about getting yourself to the end, you know, building up relationships, but still being able to cut off those relationships 
when required. And I think Craig, he's clearly willing to do that. I want to talk about the bit here separately. So I'll just kind of cover the things here before we get to the, the Shona, Katie stuff. Um, Naomi complaining again, doesn't want to go to the stupid card at the stupid ship. And like, bloody, bloody, bloody. Good on you, Naomi. We love you. Um, Sylvan's back to complaining again. I, what does he say that line? I've never been deliriously happy. Uh, Sylvan, I think you've run out of those pills that you were selling David a couple of weeks ago. That's probably why. Um, we, we see they basically lose the cray pot because of the waves. <laughs> like, it's just basically gone. Kadena just can't catch a break, clearly. Um, really, really sad for them. Naomi mentions uh, doesn't want to get used to losing, which I think, are they not used to losing already? So that's an interesting line to say. Uh, I feel like we're making a lot of uh, Kadena jokes now all of a sudden. I feel bad for that. Um, and, yeah, so that's kind of everything leading up into them going into tribal. But the, the, the bit here, which, again, going back to the evenly spread aspect, here we are, should be seeing Kadena, you know, scrambling. Who are they going to vote out for? But we've still got time to let's go back to Tapara and show some strategy, which, again, you're not going to see today. But this leads us into arguably the most iconic confessional we will have ever seen in all of Australian Survivor history, no matter what version. We've got Katie and Shona sitting down talking about strategy, and we've got the the iconic piece of paper that Katie wrote down. And I think we've seen a bit of this before, but this is really now showing Katie actually going play-by-play. Play. This is what's going to happen. She starts with Rob, showing Rob, and then she goes to Shona and I do like that sort of moment with Katie and uh, Rob where they're sort of talking about being in the final two and sort of like, no, you're, you're my final two. And then Rob sort of says it too, but you can kind of tell Rob's not as sincere as Katie the way he says it. Um, and I think, isn't it, when they sort of, doesn't Katie mention about like, oh, these people will be gone, these people will be gone, uh, and then when we get to the final four, we'll work out what we're doing, which is, which is kind of interesting. And I think one thing I'll say about Katie, which like, I can get sort of some criticisms of Katie the, of when we get down the line about how she kind of, when she goes through a mental breakdown and everything and you sort of have that Craig versus uh, Katie moment in the in the reunion about sort of Craig doing a bit of the pot calling Kettle Black. But one thing I will say about Katie is Katie's very good at sort of taking a pause and thinking about what she says before straight away going like a Rob saying like, yeah, you're in my final two, absolutely. Katie always kind of just thinks and stops and then kind of almost is a bit of a politician and kind of just alters the word, so she doesn't technically lie, but she also doesn't flat out not lie. Like, she's got a very good way of doing it, and I think that's what makes Katie such a great player. Yeah, she does that a couple of times, actually, because she does it with Rob, and then she does it with Shona towards the end of this. But before I go on, I want to mention one thing I really loved about this segment. Everyone else is sleeping, and, and you see Katie in the, in the Tapara tribe. You see Katie's up. She's writing her notes. You see Rob. I think he's reading a book. And if you look at everyone else is sleeping. So Katie, she's just she's that full on about this game. She can't, like, everyone else is tired. I'm sure she's tired, but nah, she's using that opportunity. Game, game, game. What's my next move? What's my move in five days' time, you know, ten days' time? She's fully always thinking about how she's going to get herself to the end. And I think that ultimately is one of the reasons why she does end up having a breakdown is because she's just playing this game like 1,000%. She's just all in. She is not, this, she's there for one reason, like Whaler's one, that's to play Survivor, win Survivor, and that's all. She's living it. She's breathing it every moment. She's, she's not even taking a second to just to nap. So I love that, just seeing that. And, and 
sitting, seeing her write the little notes about how she's going to get to the end, and that's when she looks at Rob, and it, it's not a surprise that those two are the ones that are awake. You know, you, it's not Joel. It's not Joel. He's off sleeping. You know, it's not Jane. She's off sleeping, and that to me explains why that they were so good at this game. Um, and then you, you, yeah, you see, when they're at the well and they're um, well, is well or wherever they were, they sort of go and they they walk off from the tribe, her and Rob, and 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 as she's talking about the plan, I love it. She she says if they lose the next tri- immunity challenge, that it's 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 going to be is it going to be Joel that he's 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 gone. It's either Joel or Jane that that, that basically they're gone. But but if they win. What they're going to do, they'll get to the merge, they'll just vote out all of Kadena, and then it will, it's going to be Jane and Joel. And I love that she says, Joel is just a tool to remove Kadena. I, I love it. I think she, she, she's basically saying, look, he, he, he's, he's there to serve one purpose, and that's to be to remove the Kadena. And then once he does that, he's gone. Jane, she, she will know nothing. Basically saying, and and she calls it her scheme. I love the fact that she uses that word. Her scheme, and that's what she's doing. She's scheming. And I think she also mentions too. We can get Lance off straight away. She doesn't even give a second thought to poor old Lance. And this is this is where I think it's so important to to really look at what's happening here in terms of just how good of a player this show someone like Katie as well as Rob and even Shona like who's really also needs to get some credit in this too because I've heard a lot of arguments when you sort of say like oh Rob was a great winner a lot of people throw the argument saying well you know how did he win this game it was easy back then because it was pagonging you basically just took out a tribe and then you were guaranteed to go straight through to the end which I think is unfair to say because this is how the game was played back then this is how they have to play there's no other way that you would play survivor and that's how you would do it and I think it's important that if you compare Tapara with Kadena, that Tapara had the smarts to have people who were going to do this. And you have Katie who can literally sit here with a piece of paper and work out play-by-play, this is how it's going to go. And if people say, well, that was easier, well, okay, on paper it might sound easier, but they, again, didn't know anything different. They didn't know somebody like Craig was going to come in here and try and, you know, spurn things up a little bit. They didn't know that the situation was going to happen with Joel, which basically Rob and Shona, you know, turn against Katie and Sophie to make it so that they could get to the end and realise how dangerous Katie is. So there's all these credit things that I think need to be due. Modern Survivor is not... You can't do this in Modern Survivor because there's always a twist around the corner, idols, things that really can't put that into play. So Modern Survivor is more about that flash-in-the-pan moment where you're looking at someone who's going to make a big move in one episode to get one round further, and then they've got to regroup, and you've got to play more on your feet. That's fine. That's how you play Modern Survivor. That's what people think it should be. But this is where the game came from, and it's how it was played back then. So I think that it's very unfair. It's, in all fairness, it's difficult then to compare a Rob with a Jericho or a Pia because they're playing two different eras. It's like comparing you know, a Formula One driver in the 1950s to Lewis Hamilton. They're driving in different eras with different equipment, different rules. Like It's, it's hard. But I really think that people need to give credit to look at the situation here where you have a player on, what, day 14. We're not even halfway. She's got a piece of paper. This is how it's going to play out. And she's all but correct because it's also about management. Like, just because it's on paper, it sounds easy. If Katie and Rob and Shona had gotten to that merge and, and been like a, a John Carroll or Zoe in Marquesas and just been so cocky and outwardly like, fuck you, you're not going to beat us. 
who's going to say that Craig can't work a bit of Joel magic and Shona might be like, well, hang on, I don't like how Katie's acting all of a sudden. This isn't good. And really turn the tide. You don't know. It had to happen at one point. So there's so many layers and levels to this. And this is amazing to watch a player have this on paper, have the ability to have Rob there and Shona, who I felt like was just so good and leads in to just the most iconic of iconic confessionals that you will ever, ever get where she ba- like I hope you've written this down verbatim, Matt, because I've only got the, like the two words here or three words that kind of lead into the famous bit. I sure do, Ben. It is one of the best confessionals I've ever heard on any Survivor. I absolutely love it. And I think it's one of the things I love it, like why I love Shona's character so much. And and the way she delivers, and I've got it written down, so I'll say it, but the way she delivers it, like I'm not going to do it justice because just the facial expression, like she means business. Like, she, So here I go. I'll give my go best Shona go impersonation. <laughs> Look. I didn't come out here to play tiddlywinks. That's the bottom line. I came out here to play a game, and that's what I'm doing. How good is that? The old, I'm not here to play tiddlywinks. Brilliant. It, and the way she delivers it, it, it just says to the audience, I'm not here to mess around. I'm here to play a game, and it's exactly what I'm doing. Which, and this is one thing that I adds to the iconic nature of this confessional. And again, it's all about the period of time that we're in. These are people who are having this experience and aren't necessarily playing up to the cameras to be a certain character because they know they're going to get more airtime. They know they're going to get a few more social media likes. This is 100% natural and legit. And you said even the delivery, the way she's like, look, I didn't come here to play tiddlywinks. There's a pause. And then she just stares into the camera and is like, that's the bottom line. Like it's it's so good. It's done in such a way where it just it holds your attention. And again, I don't always mean to kind of be the the negative Nelly on the newer ones, but let's look at a modern version where someone like you know a David, the Golden God, who's great television, he's entertainment galore. But you can just tell he's putting on a show for the cameras. You can tell he's in front of that camera. He's you know flaunting his chest. He's talking himself up because he knows he knows how to play up to the game and the camera to get that airtime. And that's fine because we're in a period of television where it's reality TV's been going for twenty years now, so people know how to kind of go along with that. It's developed into that. But this is where personally me, I'm more of a fan of this natural, just pure, just like straight to the point. Like I. I didn't come here to play tiddlywinks. That's the bottom line. This is a game. And that what it just makes it so good the way they cut it in with Katie's talk with Shona. It's just, it's gold. This is, this is peak confessional in 2002 Whaler's Way. This is as good as it will get. And it's maybe to me still the greatest confessional we've ever had in Australian Survivor. And it just proves that you don't need a confessional where you're talking yourself up as far as being the golden god or the king of the jungle or or any of that sort of stuff where you're talking about kings and queens and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Yeah, don't get me wrong. They're all those are all great confessionals. I love hearing it. You get a laugh out of it. I, it's brilliant. I love it. But it, this proves that you can also have a genuine confessional and this is genuine because she's not saying this for the camera. She means every single word she's saying. She is not messing around. And that's why it comes across so genuine when she says it. You you can feel it. When you when you listen to it and watch her say it, you can feel it. Like this woman is not – she's not messing around. Like she's got a job. She's She wants to win that half a million dollars. She wants the title. And 
She's not here. She's not here to make friends, Ben. She's not here to to play tiddlywinks. Oh, be- yeah, that's right. <laughs> have you ever played tiddlywinks? No, I was going to ask you actually the same question. I, I can't say I ever have. <laughs> so I remember growing up, we had the little, we we definitely had the little sort of um, different coloured. What are they? They're like little. Oh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like little uh, round game- little things. A game in which small plastic counters are flicked into a central reptacle, a receptacle, sorry, by being pressed on the edge with a large counter. So you're going to have to flick them to go into the little container, basically. Yeah, that's right. So I remember having the, the little round things, uh, and you have them all different colours. I don't know if different colours mean different amounts or something. I'm not sure. I remember having them, but I've never actually played the game where you got to try to flick them up. So maybe that was slightly before my time. Maybe one of my older brothers had it and then you we played it while you it. were watching the famous five. That was what you did. Timmy, the dog <laughs> loved it. Oh, of course. Okay. Yes. Timmy, the dog, piddly winks. Um, oh, can, can we, can we get someone on Modern Day Survivor to use that line again about tiddlywinks? It would be because you'd imagine all the young people now, like the viewers, they'd be like googling. T- it would have like it'd be trending. Tiddlywinks would be trending again. If I ever get on Survivor, Matt, I, I will use it. I will recreate the Shona confessional. I'm going to stare deadpan at the camera. Well, I didn't come here to play tiddlywinks. That's the <laughs> bottom line. I, you know what? I, I regret now. That should have been my opening line. It should have been in my promo package. If, if I would have rewatched this season before going out, I can guarantee you I would have got that one in there. And I annoyed at myself that I didn't. That's why I appreciate. Um, I remember talking to Andy Torrens, who can I also just point out to correct myself last week when I said I've got the only two bold contestants in Australian Survivor history. Sorry, Andy. I forgot about you, mate. Um, he's confessional that they showed in the promos of i'm here on a business trip where he deliberately did it to recreate the lord of master brian heideck so you know like you had that opportunity to to do it in all fairness when when andy played i'm sure he didn't have the full shaved bald head i think he's naturally bald on top like i am but i think he did have a bit of the side hair he did going. Have a bit of scruff yeah he did but i mean yeah yeah i mean that was kind of like your argument i guess with russell but i think russell had a bit more hair than that, yeah. but um, yeah, but look, you know, fully bald, all right, Matt and David, all right, they were there. But I also think too, like as, as iconic as this is, like there's even the lead-in confessional because it's kind of a two-part confessional because it, this whole sequence is just incredible. Like if we did Hall of Fame moments from each season, this would almost be up there. This would be up there because it's the way it kind of starts off with Shona sort of saying like, you know, the basic premise of this game is to trust no one. And then kind of she has a bit of a confessional there. And then it kind of cuts between Katie and Shona going over this list. And, you know, I love Katie here going like, Sophie's just a number. The first person that we will get rid of in this four is Sophie. Yet, Katie brought in Sophie a couple of weeks ago as kind of the fourth member here and was very much close with her. The ruthlessness of Katie here, where, yes, you can argue it's a bit hypocritical when she loses it towards the end, but, you know, I think there's some arguments for and against the way she reacts because she ultimately didn't realise that it wasn't going to be... She thought she was going to be the one doing the betraying when it isn't her doing the betraying. But anyway, the point is, like, everything here is just so fantastic and tight and edited Let's be honest, it shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be seeing Tapara strategy when Kadena are about to go to tribal. But I'm not going to say that it's a bad thing because this is just amazing. And again, saying it, greatest confessional we've ever had in Australian Survivor history, period. I think it also probably shows and says a lot about Kadena at this stage. They know they're going to tribal. I, there probably wasn't much strategy going on at Kadena at this stage. They 
Craig, Naomi, obviously Karen have decided, you know, we, we, we know who we're voting for. And so they had to show something. And to be honest, let's be honest, this this is too good not to show, this whole Tapara thing. The whole, I mean, this is one of the highlights of the season. So you're right. It's a bit weird that they're showing it when Kadena are going, but it, it's that good. I think you would say, though, just kind of showing the... the the base that the point we are in Survivor and sort of knowing how fresh this crew was in editing and putting it together. If this was modern Survivor, they probably would have shown this in the middle section of this. Like you can get away with showing this still in this episode without showing it. Like to me, they're just showing it chronologically because they thought that's what they had to do. Whereas you don't need to. Like you can put this at the beginning or the middle, and still it's got the same effect. Yeah, you could almost put it in in the the first segment of the next episode. To be honest, exactly. Yeah, exactly. and it's probably what they would do today because I know they you know they chop and change stuff now. It's not always in that correct order, but yeah, uh, yeah I agree, Ben. It's if you're doing a Hall of Fame confessionals, well, it would be, and if you had you'd be in the top ten, and if people had to vote for the top ten, you would have to come close, wouldn't it? It's just, it's just a brilliant moment, and it's why I love. Shona's character so much. And we will see it. Like, this is a, a moment that they will play in previously on moments a lot. Like, you will see this a lot more throughout this season. And there's a reason behind that. It's fantastic. I, the only the only sad thing about this is I'm sad that uh, Eddie Maguire didn't bring, like, a, a game of tiddlywinks to the reunion and give it to Shona. <laughs> that, would have been, that would have been brilliant. I thought you were going to say the sad bit was that Katie ends up burning that letter, the note. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have because been a keepsake. H- how good would that be now to have that in a... Like, Katie, to have that in a frame at home for herself. uh... But you know what makes that moment, like, I agree with you 100%, but, like, it actually, I think that makes that moment more badass because it's kind of like, fuck it, we've got this all in our head, we've got it now, we've got this alliance locked in, fucking let's burn it so no one ever sees our evidence that we ever did this. I completely agree. It just shows that they're burning the evidence. Anytime evidence is getting burnt, love it. Like, it's great because they're they're covering their tracks, but... And that's coming from a cop. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, you know, it uh, it just would have been great if somehow she could have kept kept that uh, that note and and to still have it to this day, it, uh, just to exactly see what how she had written it out because it looked like a pretty good little plan she had there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's get to trouble. There's really not a whole lot to talk about here. I I think um, I do actually really like that line. Um, and I, I'm not sure, you might need to refresh on my memory who it is, the first one that says it. It might be Naomi, or maybe it's Karen, where basically Lincoln's saying, you know, you had full bellies, what the hell happened? And the I, again, it might be Karen, I haven't written the name down, but they basically like, look, we've done every challenge, they haven't. Like, I think it's a very valid point that they say, because that is, that is very true. Every single one of those people has done every single challenge. No one has sat out, and that's going to play into that a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great little line that I think kind of does put in a little, little bit of context. And again, having said that, like, they were pretty close in this challenge, and they've been pretty close in the last few. Yeah, I think it. I think it possibly was Karen because she talks about it being mind over matter and 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 how it's the coldest, most miserable place on earth um, that uh, she's ever been. And Naomi talks about um, that we have to vote someone off and we just have to do it once again. Naomi, she just she doesn't really want. To, Naomi doesn't really seem to be wanting to play the game too much. I, I don't know whether that's just the edit, but she always seems to struggle about having to vote someone and actually play the game. Um, 
Deb talks about her ankle um, giving her problems, so she admits at tribal that it has been giving her problems, but she seems like, I mean, she's not asking to be voted out by any means, so she seems to still be willing to go on. And um, and Craig talks about how they lost, where they lost the challenge. He admits that it was more the the sort of the planning of that challenge and, and losing it on the, the swing because they went one at a time instead of, how Tapara did, where they went sort of all together, so it cost him time. Um, and um, and Sylvan, he, he mentions that Sylvan's the one that mentions the fact that um, that the Kadena members have been involved in every yeah. single challenge, so every I challenge, just, every movie, yeah. and it was Sylvan. And he, so he makes it clear that well, you look at like Rob and Jane and what they've sat out a fair few challenges. They, every challenge they go to, they're sitting out, you know, two members, you know, one member, whatever it is. But, um, and Sylvan's like, well, they've been involved in every single challenge and, you know, it, it's showing. It's, it's definitely showing Kadena. Yeah. And I think like when you've got someone like Rob and Katie able to sit out and kind of recharge their batteries, I mean, that's, you know, that's definitely going to kick there. And yeah, no, I just, I, as I was saying there, I kind of, I'm just flicking through the episode now and I realized I wasn't even close. Here I am saying it was either Karen and Amos, bloody Sylvan, uh, who's saying it. Um, but I do, I, you, you mentioned about Karen, sort of the coldest, most miserable place. I love how she says that though. She's like, have I mentioned it's the coldest, most miserable place on earth recently? Uh, and then Naomi sort of saying about, yeah, how like no one's really talked about tonight. And again, maybe that just shows kind of just where they are in their head. But, um, yeah, ultimately it comes down to Deb and Karen and um, Deb and Sylvan vote for Karen. Naomi, um, Karen and uh, Craig all vote for Deb. And uh, yeah, bye-bye Deb. But I do like, just quickly, I love Sylvan wearing his backpack as he walks up to vote. Like that's a bit of an odd moment. And I do also love Lincoln's dramatic pause. Where he's like, one of you two will be going home tonight. <laughs> like it's just kind of, thanks Lincoln. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, yeah. Have, we we haven't had too much involvement with uh, Link in the last couple of episodes, but we know he gets better episodes as it goes on. But once again, it, there's not a lot happening in this episode. There's sort of what's Lincoln really going to ask him? He, he knows Kadena had done. Um, He's not as much know, of a dick as he was the last time they were at Tribal Council. <laughs> you know what? But but Kadena Kadena deserve it. Yeah. No, they do. Like, Jeff Probst wouldn't. I mean, he didn't let um, Oolong get away with it, did he, in Palau? Like, you know, kind of, it's just, it's, you, you you do kind of need to rip into him a little bit. Like, guys, what the fuck, man? Like, come on. To be honest, Lincoln is probably uh, probably going a little easy on him, to be honest. Like, he should, you know, these days, I, I bet you if Lincoln was doing a modern day one, now he'd be saying, well, who's the problem here? Like, this tribe is being decimated. You guys aren't winning the big moves. Obviously, someone's responsible. Who is it? Like, that's what he'd be saying now. But I think he just know, he knows they're done, so he's like, yeah, he gets them to talk about what the last three days was about, and then and then lets them vote. Final words from um, Deb here, and we'll talk a little bit about Deb. I think um, I do like straight away where she's basically like, Karen's the weakest. I'm not the weakest, um, but you know, talks about a time. But then this is the one that I've always questioned. I don't understand it, and I really want to kind of get this from Deb next week when she says, "A garden, guardian angel last night reminded me it's just a game," which I think is a nice little way to end. But um, it'll be it'll be fun to kind of find out what exactly she meant there. But yeah, I think Deb Deb definitely is one of these characters who. I think the game would have been better if she had gone a little bit further. She sort of was, you know, a bright personality. I think she brought a bit to the game. I think that she's a player to me that on a second time around would just improve so much. 
Um, she's such a great personality and had the pleasure of speaking to Deb a couple of years ago on the Oz Network when I did a recap with her and Sylvan of all people. And Deb has, has kept up with the game. Deb loves Survivor. She still watches this show religiously from what I know. So she still remains a big fan of the show. So um, I think Deb's mind would just be on point even more on an, on a returning player season. And I, I've grown so much more appreciation for Deb on the more and more rewatches as I have with pretty much everyone on this show. But yeah, Deb, Deb is one of those kind of unique Survivor characters who kind of goes just before the merge, but there's definitely enough there to warrant seeing her on a, on a returning season because she's great. Yeah, it was a shame. It was a shame how she went out. She went out injured, I guess, and and a tribe that was just losing everything. Uh, she didn't make uh, make the merge. So yeah, I mean, I probably she probably looks back and thinks what what could have been um, if she had a bit more luck or if it was on a different tribe. But um, yeah, no, definitely good. I think she she'll always be remembered uh, for the one that came up with the famous five, and I can't wait to uh, talk to her more about that. Now, our man Luke Dennehy in the um, five minute form guide, it was in the Herald Sun here, um, has Deb as her pros being determined and intelligent when it comes to strategy. She will be hard to beat, and her cons are maybe too smart for her own good. She got a four and a half star rating which uh, Rob got a five-star rating, but the only other ones who got the same uh, rating as her, well, the only other one who got the same rating as her was Katie. So uh, Luke Dennehy basically ranked her. And I'll be honest with you, if Deb had been on to swap Deb and Katie around, I don't think Deb might have been out there as savvy as Katie, but I definitely think Deb would have gone deep and could have, you know, been an integral part in a close alliance with someone like a Rob. Yeah, I agree. I think we didn't get to see a lot of this the strategy from Deb because just the players she was playing with as well. I mean, if you're playing with a Sylvan, Karen didn't appear, you know, from what we saw, not a real lot of strategy. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just in, in, in the end, it was just the tribe she was with and she had to adapt to that tribe where if she was in Tapara, I think we would have definitely seen a bit more, not to Katie Gold's level by all means, but definitely more strategy. You know what I'm putting it all down to is uh, Deb lists her favourite colour in the guidebook is blue. So had she been on Tapara, she might have worked to her strengths more in the tribe <laughs> colour. But I don't want to give too much away here because I'm hoping that Deb might uh, answer some of these questions for us next week. But just some little bits here from her bio. Um, her favourite TV show, ER. I like you even more now, Deb. Um, she enjoys the um, her breakfast, pancakes with ice cream and maple syrup. She loves a dad's lamb roast. She also loves Cadbury dairy milk as her favourite chocolate or lollies. Uh, and I do also like here her phobia. It rarely happens, but if something freaks her out, her neck gets tight and she has to pull her shirt up over her neck. So that's a that's a that's a that's an interesting one. Um, so yeah. And I also say here, her most embarrassing moment that happened to her, wetting her pants in prep. So, um, <laughs> hopefully we won't make her wet her pants next week, but, uh, yeah, great, great character. And another thing I love too is, you know, it wasn't long ago we posted that photo with her and, and Pia and, uh, I think it's great. And, and I, and I've, we've said it so many times. It's a shame that the old school survivors, don't you know we see so much social media stuff now with all the the new survivors and it's a shame that we don't include the older ones but it was great to see um yeah deb get that photo with Pierre, and it really just shows the different generations of survivor which it, it might be the only case where that's ever been like the only time i've sort of got a real old school the new school i mean i know we sort of dug up that photo of um 
uh, Elton Flatley and, and Matt Rogers, um, you know, kind of back in their Wallabies days. And that that's something that I think took me a while to click that they would have been teammates. And finally, I realized that during the week, and I just point that out. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. And I think um, it was a great little moment to, to see that. And that actually, that it's one of those photos that too that really impressed me that it got a lot of a lot more love on social media than I actually thought it was. Because generally, if we post something on certain circles, you know, you get the usual aspect of, oh, you know, stop including the old stuff, they don't count, you know, the usual stuff that we get. But that actually got a lot of positive, like, wow, that's really cool. And even the official Australian Survivor Facebook group, which is run by Channel 10, they don't often approve a lot of our posts. I just share it in there because why not? They Every now and then they'll approve, even one of our old school, they approved the David Haas episode to share in that group of all things. But they approved that one pretty quickly and that got a lot of comments. So I, I like seeing that kind of slight appreciation it seems from some of these newer school fans and kind of seeing it connected with the old school. Well, personally, as a a massive fan of this show and, and, and a former contestant, like to me... I, I can't see who wouldn't like to see, you know, either photos or interactions between the old school survivors and the new school. Like, to me, you know, you, you, these are the original players that have played the game. Like, if you don't have respect for those players, like, take a look in the mirror and, and look at yourself because, that to me, that's a disgrace. These guys played the game. They were the originals. You know, to me, they're, they're, they're all icons, all of them, because... They played this game, what, 14 years before we were going to have another season. Uh, Yes, they're on a different network. Who gives a shit? Mm. They played the game, you know? And so when I see stuff like that, like, to me, I would love to get a photo with David Haas because David's the original. More than a photo. I think you want a kiss. But you know what? Do I make sense, Ben? Like, or am I just talking shit here? Because I no, just you make and, and sense. I, I've, I get that vibe that not every Survivor Australian Survivor fan feels like that, and I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I love your rant. This is like me talking about no Tasmanian contestants. Like, you, you get there, you get involved. It's great. But no, I agree. And I think like the fun thing too with our recent buff giveaway. I mean, Laura Chu won one. You know, like kind of a modern day survivor is going to be wearing one of these old school buffs. So it's it's you know great little connection. And we do get like a fair bit of interaction. I think on some of our social media posts uh, from some of the new school players of our old school, like you know Tarzan, for example. You know, he he likes um, so many of our posts and. Again, maybe he's just one of those guys who likes everyone's posts. I don't know. But he also does seem to, you know, like a lot of our older school posts. So, I, you know, the day when we eventually get to, to season four and we can talk to Tarzan, it's going to be interesting because I feel like he's the type of guy who would have applied for this season. And we are yet to find someone, except for yourself, who applied for the 2002 Australian Survivor. So, it's going to be... And I'm sure there were. I mean, we've had, what, 96 players of the Channel 10 version. 95 players of the Channel 10 version, sorry. Uh, And I definitely think that surely there's more than one of you who have applied for the 2002 version. I'll laugh if I was and end up being the only one that uh, that had applied. It would be... I actually would like that if I was the only one and got on least... You know, some sort of legacy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but next week's episode, uh, the bit of a teaser that we got there, uh, unprecedented twist and news from home. Um, so 2002, when you hear the words unprecedented twist, let's just say don't get your hopes up. It's not like 58 <laughs> new survivors show up and let's start the game again. It's basically one tribe makes a decision to help the other out. That's 
kind of it. Um, but the, the the one I do like the um, this is the phone call episode, if I'm not mistaken, where we start getting some plugs for Telstra. What a great network Telstra is. It's probably the only network in Australia in 2002 that you could have got mobile reception standing on the cliff in bloody Whaler's Way. I was, I was going to say, back then, what are they calling on 1G? Are they using yeah. 1G? <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to, to that one. But next week on our show, we've teased it a lot. We've said it a lot. We will be getting the one, the only uh, Deb on uh, to talk about it. So very much looking forward to that. As I mentioned, I've, I've had the pleasure of speaking to Deb before on a podcast episode back in 2017. Uh very fun person to chat to. Still very knowledgeable on the game, and I'm I'm really looking forward to to getting her on, as I am with anyone. But like Deb, to sort of you know really go through some of these questions that we've discovered in this episode, and some of the other things that we've talked about in the way, and of course to get her to sing the theme song for Famous Five. Timmy the dog. <laughs> I'll join in, Deb. I'm just going to be like Timmy the dog. <laughs> You only come in with that last little bit at the end. I love it. But, uh, of course, it's going to be great uh, being able to chat to Deb. I've never personally had any, any interaction with her. So it's going to be great to um, you know find out all about the behind-the-scenes stuff with Kadena and what was going on with the Famous Five and, you know, about Sylvan asking her to be voted off and just her injury. And, like, we've got so much to talk about. And I mean, it's always great to interview any of these past contestants and... and, and I'm just really looking forward to it. It's going to be going to be great to get in there and chat all things uh, Survivor with Deb. And, of course, anybody during the week wants to uh, get involved, send in any uh, sort of questions. We don't often ask for listener questions because we don't generally have the time, but, you know, we, we always get some feedback, and if we get the chance, we can sort of fit it in by any means. And, yeah, while you're there, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe uh, on all our podcast channels I mentioned at the top of the show, but we, we very much would appreciate that. And just I mentioned the buff competition that we had, of course, that we gave away the other week. Uh, just stay tuned for our channels because I did mention sort of in the video announcing the winners that there will be more opportunities to get your hands on some buffs. Uh, we'll be teasing that in the coming weeks, but there definitely will be some more opportunities for you to be able to get these. We, we've got a limited number made, but there is going to be a chance for you to own one, but very limited number, so we have to kind of... Put Put that out there because, I mean, Matt and I haven't even gotten one yet. So um, well, that's why we haven't posted a picture. And I can guarantee you the next picture of me wearing a buff on social media, I will be wearing clothes. You better be. And also, just a reminder too, we haven't done, we haven't plugged this in a while, but like, get us up on Instagram because remember, we get to a thousand followers on Instagram and this man here is going to be showing his 2002 Australian Survivor audition tape. But also, even if we just get to 500, he's still going to be swinging on a vine for us, uh, you know, Ben Dark style. And one thing I actually, I, I had a, I had a conversation during the week with Ethan Zahn, funnily enough. And I brought up the little interview with Mr. Dark and I showed him the screenshot. And uh, I don't think he quite remembered the interview because, let's be honest, he would have been doing like 10,000 interviews back then, so he's not going to remember them. But um, one of the things that he did say to me about the screenshot, which I thought was um, very, very interesting, he said he knew the exact sweater that he when he saw that picture, uh, that he wore it on the Rosie O'Donnell show back when she you know, was still hosting a show, where he, she gave him a 25-pound Hershey bar and a trip to the 2002 World Cup soccer in Japan. So there you go, bringing up random memories from the most awkward interview ever uh, by sending Ethan's on a photo of that uh, interview. Uh, maybe he can help us find Ben Dark. I didn't ask him. Well, he might have to because I have had no luck finding Ben Dark. He, he's, he's a man of mystery. Hopefully one day we get him on. But talking about Ethan, ah, oh, 
Next week, we we get to see oh. Ethan back on Winners at War, Season 40. I am pumped. Oh, it's going to be great. Absolutely great. You can get some great coverage over on another podcast called The Oz Network of that too coming soon. So uh, listen to that. But thanks to everyone for tuning in. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to bring you these episodes each week. And again, we're glad that we're uh, getting some great feedback along the way. We've hit more than 200 likes on Facebook as well. So thanks to everybody for supporting us. And we really do appreciate the fact that you're enjoying these and learning about the history of Australian Survivor as we're, we're bringing it to you because we're enjoying it thoroughly and uh, we're hoping that you're getting some good memories in your head and learning about Whaler's Way and all that sort of stuff at the same time. My name is Ben and Skippy the Bush King around the twist Timmy the dog And my name's Matt Dyson and trust me, I didn't come here to play tiddlywinks Inside Survivor, the basic premise is trust no one. But position yourself. I went to Jenny Craig and I lost. Five kilos in five weeks on the fish and rice diet. Have I mentioned it's the coldest, most miserable place on earth lately? I can't make decisions. I'm just too tired. I just want to get the bloody challenge over and done with. Lobsters. I mean, That's what we're going to get in the reward. Oh man, have a smell of that. No, I'm not going to. I'm not oh no. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'll give you 50 bucks for that piece of bread. No? No. $50? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it with 50 bucks right now. I had a dream that morning in church, the priest was up the front on his keyboards playing a Metallica song in church to warm everyone up. You need some food. I need some food. Not bad for an old talk. I don't want to go back to the stupid ship. I just don't want to actually write someone's name on a stupid card and a stupid ship. There's no one in the tribe that I would never cast a vote against. It's a game. And the um, relationships that I have with people in these tribes are only face value, uh, regardless of how it may seem. I still don't want to go, hey, that's great for me, even though I'd love some hot chocolate. <laughs> but now I'm absolutely fine. I'm not chirpy or anything. Like, I'm not extraordinarily deliriously happy. I don't think I've ever been deliriously happy. I couldn't sleep because I was too busy calculating in my mind how the game was going to unfold. And I really needed to write some things down. Joel knows nothing and is never going to be involved or asked to participate. He's just used to remove Kadena. So here's another tool for us to get rid of Kadena. They'll be soft tomorrow. They'll be fat, dumb and soft. They'll have lobster and baguette in their stomach. They'll be soft.